right, part two. Chris is Chris is going for four parts. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely not happening. <laughs> uh, so I think we left off. You were getting ready to kind of tell everybody yeah. about your background. Yeah. So I um my I have a I have a degree in accounting, and I come from sales and marketing and business background and management. Right. So um, I didn't run a restaurant before this. Like I. I understand numbers and things like that, but not running a restaurant. So what I've really learned about running a restaurant is like success is relative, you know? Um, you know, we talk about like having a place in Highland, for example. Well, if I get a 2,000 square foot spot that's got 40 tables and my lease is $1,500 a month, I could do a million dollars in sales and be successful, right? If I have a 6,000, like right now my, my restaurant's 6,000 square foot, I got 200 seats in there. Well, if I only do a million dollars in sales, I'm going to shut the doors. <laughs> right. You, you know what I'm saying? So success is relative. Yep. And that's what I've learned is that, like, you can open up anywhere. You just have to gauge your expectations and know that, like, hey, if I open in Highland, I need a small spot. I can have no more than eight employees. And I got to be happy doing, you know, 1500 bucks a day or $2,000 a day in sales type thing. Right. You know what I mean? So right. that's that's one of the things I've learned. And so... I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a ton of friends in the restaurant industry, right? And one thing I learned from Brad Leiniger is that, like, there's no, there's no dollar more valuable than the one you make in your current spot, right? So if I open a second restaurant and I do a decent amount of business out of it, it doesn't make me more profitable because now I've doubled my rent. I've doubled all my overhead. All right? your overhead's doubled, yeah. Yeah. So if I, if I do, you know, an extra... $500,000 in sales in my current restaurant, the amount of profit on that might be 15%, where the profit of that 500000 new restaurant might be 0%. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to grow the current restaurant to a point where it feels like it's about as profitable as it can be. And then I think a second one's in my nature. I always joked, like, I don't want a restaurant. I want an empire. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, like, one restaurant's not my goal. Um, I'm looking now at possibly opening a barbecue supply store. Um, I think that's maybe my next move. It's something that I can I can kind of partner with the restaurant and maybe run with three, four employees. Yeah. And and I think there's something. There's nothing in my area. You know, St. Louis barbecue stores like over an hour from me. Um, so I, I could probably open something in my area and not even be competing with those guys and still have right. a, have a ton of um, market share. And in my area, you want to buy a smoker, you go to like Home Depot, Lowe's, and Menards. Right. You know what I mean? So I think my area needs it. So yeah. I think that might be like my next move before the restaurant. Nobody's buying a Gateway drum at Home Depot or Menards. Yeah, but <laughs> right. I mean, obviously I'll carry Gateways because I think they're the best smoker on the market. But I'm not looking for comp guys. Like I want the guy that wants to be the king of his cul-de-sac and he'll yeah. come. He'll come in and buy a Yoder. Right. You know what I mean, like yep. that's that's yep. what my goal is: is to sell that Napoleon Napoleon grills and almost, stuff like that. Almost like, uh, yeah, almost like the like the fireplace stores that are kind of. You know, they've uh, they've all kind of they still sell fireplaces, but they're they're all ge they get geared towards the the backyard barbecue guys, the yep. king of the cul-de-sac guys, and they I think it's I I think it's a great marketing idea for yep. for them. I mean, you you're getting uh you're you're getting business during the summer where you're probably not getting much business just selling fireplaces in the summer. <laughs> yeah. You say that, though, but most people are installing them in the summer, so well, they have yeah. them in the winter. True. You know? But, you know, we have a unique opportunity to where if I open a barbecue store, I can do as many classes as I want there. I could do a $50 rib class or a $50 brisket class for the backyard guy, and where else in the area are you going to go you know, learn from a three-time world champion how to cook ribs in your cul-de-sac. You know right. what I mean? And I think that's something that, like, since the restaurant needs me less than it did three years ago, I could put my energy into something like that. I think I think it would grow just yeah. just based on that alone. Sign me up for that fifty dollars person class. I'll be the first fifty dollars <laughs> buyer. We've, we've already learned that you don't pay attention. Yeah, he'll go so he can't uh, pay attention. <laughs> I'll pay attention to that one. I, I think that's what you know. People are starving for that, right? Like, most people, they're never going to take my competition class or anything like that. But, like, if you could teach them to be the best guy on their block at yeah. a brisket to where they, they can take their, you know, pit boss or their Green Mountain Grill or their Yoder and turn out a pretty awesome brisket for their neighbors and their family. Like, they, man, the people are dying for that. Right? Right, so Just teach people to, to how to cook that don't I'm really so, know how to cook. I'm so pumped up about 
to when this when the new meat shop's finally done because they're going to have a, a classroom setting with the commercial kitchen and be able to get some people in there that can teach some classes and i yeah i think it's i think it's it's a great idea i if you if you can price the class if you if you don't price yourself out of the class for the average joe I think you could keep, you could have, you could probably, if you were that crazy about it, you could probably have a class, some kind of class in there once a week. Well, I think you could almost do it more even. I mean, I think you could do like a Wednesday night appetizer and like wine pairing class and like you'd have women even come in or do like husband wife deals where they could come in and learn those types of things. Also, like I have a chef background and my business partner is a chef for 25 years. Like like why couldn't I have a pasta and broccoli class? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. you, you know you could do all, I mean you do tons and tons of classes. Yeah. Yep. Right right now we price competition classes to make money, right? Right. If you have a barbecue store or a supply store, you're just trying to get people in the door, right. right? Like you could almost break even on the class, but if they leave with a bottle of rub, a bottle of sauce, like some cutting boards, a knife, some charcoal, they yeah. come back and buy a Yoder from you later. Right. Like that's what you want. Exactly. Yep. yep. 100%. Yeah, you break even on the class, but you, they bought a hundred dollars worth of product. Yeah, yeah. What's well, like now? Like um, I do all my classes at Code Three. Well, they'll tell you like some of their best sales days of the year are when I have my classes there, and that's why they don't charge me to do the classes. I've had other, other uh, supply stores ask me to do classes there, and they want like ten percent. I'm like, nope. Like I'm not going to pay you to have a class. They're like, oh, we'll just mark it up. I was like, I'll mark it up and keep all the money. I'm not going to give you ten percent, <laughs> right? Because, because I watch this. You know, I watch Collinsville Barbecue Supply just rake it in on sales in the days that I got 30 people there, you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've, I've taken, I've taken two, I think I've taken two, uh, classes at code three or Collinsville barbecue store, uh, that Jeff Bartles did just, you know, yep. just kind of what we're talking about. Backyard style. He, do, he does super cool classes. Yeah. Uh, appetizers, stuff like that. And I mean, he would literally, so, you know, he'd literally, have is they would they would do a bundle every both classes I took he had a bundle of rubs that he used that obviously Collinsville barbecue store sold the all of them and they had the bundles ready to go there wasn't there was not one person that took that class that didn't walk out with at least that bundle yeah we do that for my class so it'll have every single product in it that you can get and Collinsville barbecue supply will bring in products even that they don't carry just for my class right and It'll be, you know, $220, $240 of the stuff, and they'll mark it down to like 180 bucks. And every single class, we sell 15 of those bundles. Right. Because there's people that come in, and they try all my stuff, and they're like, I want to go do exactly what he did at least once. And they're like, oh, I can just take this kit home and have everything I need but meat. You know right. what I mean? And so, yeah. I mean, they, they sell the heck out of those bundles. Yeah. I, th- I think you're on to something for sure. Especially, like you said, especially in your area, that doesn't that you that you won't be competing with anybody and you won't have any competition. Yeah, that's a no brainer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that's early in the works. Um, you know, obviously, you got to find the right location. You got to find the right fit. You got to find all that type of stuff and make sure that it's not going to fail. You know, and there's right. there's obviously initial investment, right? So, um, I think that's my next move. It's just getting all the pieces together and then. Uh, down the road you know i think more restaurants obviously makes sense so how how many years have you has heavy smoke the restaurant heavy smoke been open november will be three years three and then we had the food truck for two years before that how uh and tell me if i'm asking too much or something you don't want people to know but how how long once you open the restaurant like how many months or was it a year like when you actually became profitable so that number like that that's actually a hard thing to answer right because you're always reinvesting you're always growing you're always trying to do more right buy new equipment yeah right so when i um when i opened the restaurant i opened it with i think i had 11 employees right plus me and my partner you know three months into it we realized our kitchen was too small and below the restaurant was a basement that wasn't um it, nobody was renting it, whatever. So I took the landlord, I talked to the landlord and I took over that basement, those 3,000 square feet. And I put at least 40 grand into that basement. I built a thousand square foot prep room, put a walk-in in, all of that, which has allowed us to grow more. Since then, we've put another 
walk-in we've added to the dry storage down there you know what i mean so profit's a hard thing to answer because you know we're three years in and like i draw a paycheck and my partner draws a paycheck but i don't want to say that we're super profitable if that makes sense yeah no i get it people don't realize that like a i mean any any extra any any extra money you're reinvesting it into the business basically yeah. and people don't realize that like a wildly successful restaurant is like seven percent profit right? yeah and so three million in sales is 210 grand right you know what i mean it's pretty easy to spend 210 grand growing your business yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um and so that's it's, where it's the restaurant the restaurant game is you you definitely have to be in love with food and cooking and it's not it's not a lucrative business as far as profit margins yep and like you know especially like, for the amount of hours that you yeah. have to put into it and you have to um you have to understand business and you have to know all your numbers and things right most restaurants fail not from poor food but from poor management right yeah. and so i have to be able to look at the numbers and say my labor percent is too high and find out where i can cut labor even if that means i have to cover two shifts a week i've got to get that number down right um you got to watch your food costs and things like that and then an unfortunate part of it is like raising prices. You know, if brisket goes up, you got to not be afraid to raise the price on it. And people yeah. are going to complain and they're going to bitch, but you explain to them, <laughs> hey, you know, I pay $6 a pound. I get a 43% yield. I'm already at $13 a pound. You know what I'm saying? Let's like, let's add, right. let's add, you know, rub and wood and thyme and everything in there. Well, if I end up at $18 a pound pure cost and I'm selling it to you for $24, I ain't making much money. Right, right. You know what yep. I mean? And so you got to be able to not be afraid and and look around look around yourself in the in the rest of the world you live in and tell me what hasn't gone up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't go to the grocery store and buy a gallon of milk for the same price you did six months ago either. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I mean, it's you get the people like, well, I kind of watch the market. Nothing's really changed it much. I'm like, well, did you watch casings? Did you watch seasoning? Did you watch insurance? Did you watch? Uh, employee wages did you watch everything or right. did you just watch the market the beef market i mean <laughs> we, we beef or sell for two dollar a pound on the hoof do the math for a 1500 pound animal i mean yeah and then you got to pay pay to get it processed and butchered after after covid we had a spot where foil pans went up to like a dollar a pan right well we were we cook all of our chicken and our beans and foil pans on the smoker and then you're just trashing the foil pans well you gotta you gotta add that into the cost you know, especially when you were paying 30 cents a pan and now it's a dollar a pan, Right. you know, and <laughs> right. people aren't, aren't thinking that way, you know? So yeah. right. that's where, like I said, the business background, like the accounting degree has helped me. Like my job now, you ask how my day to day is, my job is turning a diamond to a quarter or turning a nickel into a dime. You know what I mean? Trying to find a way to squeeze everything out that you can. Yep. Right. <clears throat> how many, uh, how many employees do you have at the restaurant now? Um... Probably like twenty eight, I think it is. Damn. So we have um, we have a GM now, uh, LJ, who's I mean, this girl, man. And so I, I met her. Her her mom worked with my wife. My wife's a dental assistant, and so I met LJ when she was like twelve years old. And I remember the first time she tried my food, she was like, "You're." She was like twelve or thirteen or whatever. She's like, "You're gonna uh, you're gonna cater my reception one day." And I was like, "Cool." have at it you know <laughs> the funny thing was is we were uh we were a food truck still and we catered her reception and we were open for like three months and she worked in restaurants all like for many years and then she had worked working like a doctor's office or whatever and we're open for like three months and i get an application on facebook and it's her and i just text her i'm like what are you doing and she's like I th I'm, I'm tired of this doctor's office i want to get back in the restaurant and I was like, well, you're hired. Like, what are you doing applying? Like, like, why didn't you just text me? Yeah, why didn't you just text me? She's like, well, I want to do it the right way. And so I literally hired her as just front of house, right? Just take orders, run food, whatever. Like three months later, she was like a shift lead. And then we kind of, I've, I've been like adapting how the restaurant runs, right? And so like my hierarchy has changed multiple times. I had a kitchen manager and she was like the front of house manager running all the front of house. And I eventually fired the kitchen manager and just made her the GM. And so she went from $12 an hour to push buttons on a screen to running my whole restaurant. She's 26 years old and she works harder than anybody I've ever met, right? Um, and I, I would like to think she's going to be with me forever, right? I'd like to think that when I'm running 
10 restaurants, or own 10 restaurants. She's running 10 restaurants, and I'm sitting on the beach somewhere. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, but one of the best things I ever did is, you know, the whole first year, I was doing all the catering. So I'm trying to run a business. Uh, I was still doing the pits multiple days a week, and I'm trying to take catering orders. And the first year, the first October, we're open about a year, I hired uh, my best friend's wife to be our catering director. And um, just to, like, not to, like, gloat about numbers, but I'm gonna give you numbers to tell you the job she's done. So the first year of catering, I did like eighty thousand dollars in catering when I was handling it myself. The next year, she did like two hundred and fifty, and this year she's pacing almost six hundred grand in catering. <laughs> I mean, the girl is lights out. This week alone, we have a company. We're feeding a hundred people on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tomorrow, FedEx is getting four hundred people. We have a job for eight hundred people on Saturday, and then there's all like the small jobs like peppered in. You know what I mean? So, like, between Damn. between the two of them, like, it's really allowed me to focus on my business because they're out there just lighting it up for me. Killing it. Yeah. What, uh, do you cook all the, the catered food? Do you cook all that in the, on the same stuff you're cooking the yeah. meat on the, for the restaurant? Yeah, it's a real, uh, it's a, it's a real balancing act, you know? I was going to say. Yeah, and so, like, um, the one for Saturday for 800 people. You know, they're getting 200 pounds of brisket and 200 pounds of pork, right? And so, like, I have to cook for the restaurant too, right? Right. So, Thursday, the we have we have two smokers. We got a, um, an ELEDX that's pretty big and then an SSJ that's massive. And so, like, when all the stuff comes off Thursday morning, off the big smoker, I'm immediately going to put 50 pork butts on and power cook the hell out of them and then basically put cook and hold on overnight so that we can get them off and get them pulled and get them put in warmers ready to go out like on saturday right but it's like i have to try to cook 50 pork butts in between the time i'm cooking for the restaurant because i don't have the time to do it any other time if that makes sense you know wow. so it's a constant balancing act but we've learned a lot of things too to where like you know you can cook a pork butt and have it done at noon today and pull it tomorrow and serve it tomorrow and it's still great as long as it's held properly and taken care of properly yeah where we were trying to get everything done today to serve today and trying to do that and cook for the restaurants pretty tough yeah so my my biggest i've never i've not yet been to heavy smoke to the restaurant shame Um, shame Shame. sucks for my team uh, you guys are like, oh, Chris just walked out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Chris, we aren't, we aren't, we're not done. <laughs> uh, but so the the few that are, I, I can't say I'm like barbecue isn't, I cook at competition and it's the last thing I want to eat. I yep. mean, you can understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, I don't you seek cook, out barbecue. You cook, uh, you cook like 14 times more barbecue a year than I do and I'm burnt out on it um but the the few uh barbecue places that I've been I I just I've never had that great like people will say oh go to this place that it's just it's great and I don't know if it's because I've had like so much from the competition side of things that is great yeah uh like I like I like brisket and I get brisket at a, at some barbecue restaurant and it's just like you can just tell that it it's not it pro it was probably great like five hours after they pulled it off the smoker but it's been sitting yeah you know it's been it's just been sitting too long and it got it's tightened up yeah and that's a hard part trying to figure out how to that's what, hold try to hold food yeah is a very hard thing. That's what that's that's what I was getting. I, yeah. I was, I'm not saying that anybody barbecue restaurant has bad food. I just think that it's it's got to be hard to hold it for. Yeah, it's next to impossible. Because you're you literally have to cook it at 4:30 in the morning, and then somehow keep it from <laughs> from tightening up on you when it's lunchtime or supper time. Yep. And like like our food, I would say, is as close to like competition as you can get and we are miles away from competition barbecue but i think we're we're as close as you're gonna get right and like the secret to a successful barbecue restaurant and this will sound terrible is like just having better than average food like most people most people are used to average or subpar 
barbecue, right? Yep. And like my goal isn't to serve you the best barbecue I ever had. It's like to serve all your neighbors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, most of the competition guys come to my restaurant and be like, man, this is really good. Like, this is really great. But like, they can do it better at home. You know? Right. I even told a customer one time, he's like, man, he's like, your ribs. He's like, your ribs are the best I've ever had in a restaurant. He's like, I think I like mine a little bit better. He's like, but yours are great. And I told him, I said, man, I get it. Like, I don't doubt that you can cook one rack of ribs better than mine. <laughs> right. Like, I don't doubt at all. But like, try cooking 40 racks of ribs right. and 20 briskets and 20 pork butts. You know what I mean? Try, right. try doing all that and still turning out that rack of ribs. And all, have it all ready at 6 o'clock for dinner. Right. Well, yeah. And, like, try doing it to where that rib tastes the same at noon as it does at 7 p.m. Yeah. Like, good luck. I've yeah. had many people say that Heavy Smoke is definitely probably one of the best barbecue restaurants as far as, like, competing, like, Competing with all the other barbecue, like it's it's always it's always seems the freshest. It always seems like it's basically like had the most love, and that's coming from other barbecue guys. That like I would go there and eat, even though I can eat barbecue anytime I want to. That's one of the best. First of all, thank you. But like, that's one of the best compliments I get is that like, um, you know, guys I cook with will come to the restaurant. You know, like um, like Todd Schaefer, right? Like he comes to the restaurant quite a bit and it's a it's a drive for Todd. Yeah. And Todd will mess me every time like, dude, you got the best brisket I've ever had at a restaurant, right? And like that's a huge compliment for me that if a barbecue <laughs> guy wants to come try it. One thing I think we do different, you'd know if you've ever been. Um <laughs> Chad will be there tomorrow. <laughs> no, no big deal. Yeah, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> we what we do different too is that you know my partner's a chef, right? And so we do a lot of cool shit that isn't straight barbecue. And so Guys that are sick of barbecue can come eat at our restaurant. You know, we do our, our number one seller in the food truck, and still one of our number one sellers is uh, we do a it's called a St. Louis Cuban wrap. And if you read a Cuban sandwich, it's pork, it's ham, whatever. So we smoke our own ham, it's ham, pork, we make our own pickles. Uh, it's a white horseradish sauce and Provel cheese and a tortilla and grilled, right? Um, you know, whether you like barbecue or not, you can eat that Cuban wrap. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like our nachos, we fry our own chips, we make our own queso from scratch, or we cut our own pico. Like, everything on our nacho is made from scratch. And so, like, we sell a shitload of nachos, right? So, um, we That means a lot there. I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a Cisco restaurant. No offense to Cisco, but it's not a... Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's squeezed out of a bag and warmed up. Right. You know, and, like, we've had to pivot on some things, and, like... It's like crazy to tell this story where people are going to listen. How many listeners you got? Like 12? You'd be all right. 100. Eight. Um, 1,200 <laughs> 1, or 100? Um, so, like, when we opened the restaurant, we, uh, my partner Chad was making uh, mac and cheese in the food truck. He's making mac and cheese from scratch, and it was awesome. Everyone would rave about our mac and cheese. When we opened the restaurant, like, one of the products that we used got discontinued. And he had to switch to something else. And it was it was good, but it wasn't the same. And then, like, something else got discontinued. And it got so far from where it was that one day I was like, dude, our mac and cheese sucks. Like, it's like my daughter, like, wouldn't even order it anymore, right? <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's like something's wrong. And, like, it wouldn't hold up in a steam table. It would just turn to crap, right? And so, you know, he started working other recipes and trying to find out, well... We had one of our vendors come in with like a, a pre-packaged mac and cheese that you can buy. And we're like, man, this mac and cheese is killer, right? And it comes out of a bag. And uh, I ran a taste test for like five straight days. Anybody that ordered mac and cheese, we'd give them ours and then this pre-bag stuff. Every single person said the bag stuff was better. <laughs> and, we, and we switched. And like, I have no problem admitting that our mac and cheese comes out of a bag, but it's better. And if it's better, right. if it's better, right. like, I'm going to give it to you. You know what I'm saying? And so every other side we have, everything else is made from scratch, but we had to switch the mac and cheese. But I wouldn't be doing myself a service to serve you shitty mac and cheese so I could say it was made from scratch. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wouldn't do you any good to make 50 pounds of mac and cheese and sell 20 every day because it's shitty. (laughs) Or, Or sell all 50 and get four bad reviews from it. Right, right. You know what I mean? Reviews are nothing. Do you get reviews at the at the shop? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Do you get bad ones? There's a couple. I mean, yeah. Vegan, vegans will chime in. <laughs> it's amazing. Reviews, like, they used to be mad. I don't care anymore. But, like... Yeah, you can't. Just today, I got a review. And, like, I wish I, I, wish I could get service in this shit. The, the review yeah. was, like... We've talked about this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> We've also talked about moving it to one of you guys' houses, so shut the fuck up. 
Next time we're going to record, I'm going to ask you to move it to my house. I left at noon to get here at 6. Um, <laughs> we'll have to get an Uber driver. Kyle just spit out his beer. Hey, we, oh, we appreciate that. We, we appreciate you leaving at noon. I should get home about time to work tomorrow. Yeah, um, no big maybe deal. you should just go straight to the restaurant. I'm going to. I actually have to. I'm picking up sausage, which we'll talk about in a second. But... I got a review today that was the guy said something like he's like I'm gonna say something controversial. He's like I've ate at a tons of restaurants all over the or barbecue restaurants all over the country. He's like Heavy Smoke has become my favorite barbecue restaurant in Missouri and probably the Midwest. He's like pulled pork's the best I ever had, brisket's the best I ever had, and burn ends. Wow! And he like it's like a glowing review, five stars. Literally the next review, some lady was like, "Trash won't be back." <laughs> That's it. And you're like. Okay, like, thanks for the constructive criticism. Like, that's all she said. Well, <laughs> uh, pretty much. I mean, it was, she said, like, like, pork. no, like, but no, like, the brisket was dry or the pork was, it this was, or... it was, it was like, um, sounds like an SLBS comment card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. much. <laughs> SLBS, com- mean... SLBS comment card would be like, perfect ribs, 888. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the best. SLBS, but. I mean, yeah, they don't. Their comic card suck. <laughs> tough, your ribs were tough and chewy. Nine eight nine. <laughs> Wait a minute, how did I get nines if the, they were tough? The best is when you get a comic card. I'm gonna say any organization, not just the SLBS. You get a comic card that's like burnt ends were dry, and you're like, I didn't turn in burnt ends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They clearly didn't even judge my box. <laughs> so you're like, I know somebody switched a box yeah. somewhere. That's probably why they quit giving comic cards. I know. You see some comic cards and you're like, how did that just not get thrown away? You know? So I mentioned the sausage. So yeah. it's, um, it's, it's, it's like a fan favorite for us. So you guys make the sausage. It's a jalapeno cheddar sausage and it's seasoned with our white label and our black label. And it's like anybody that orders it is like, dude, this is the best thing ever. But we also don't sell a ton of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, we'll sell, you know, you sell 200 sausage plates, but you're going to sell 1,200 pork plates. You know what I mean? And so it's like slowly catching on, especially with catering. It's getting really big with catering now. Um, but the sausage just lights out. Yeah. You guys did a great job at that. I have tried that, and it's good. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> they probably gave it to you and forced well, you to eat it. Well, see... <laughs> Pedaling out the back door. Here, do you the th- the difference is I can get that sausage like a ten minute drive. I can get that sausage. That's cool, man. It I, would, I, I would have to leave at noon today to get to your restaurant. Hey, man, I drove an hour and a half to your podcast. I mean, oh, you know. it was six hours. <laughs> now you changed. I got, I got, he got lost. I got a flat. <laughs> I got two flats. <laughs> no, that sausage is it's freaking yeah, good. It, it just it like it just. It just worked. Like, there's so many different things that in the last, what, two years, you think? We've mm-hmm. made and we've per- perfected probably dozens of different sausages. And, man, that it, it's just good. What's yeah. crazy? It, 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 it's just, I don't know. It's just good. We got guys venting with it now, and it's just good. What's crazy, too, is the salami that you guys make out of the same recipe. I don't know how much you guys eat that. Dude, that shit is insane. Yes, that is very good. We need to – we don't sell it. Yeah, but we absolutely could. We sell the hell out of it, and then like we'll run out because you guys only make it when I need it, right? right and so yeah. like we'll run out, and I'll I'll have a list. Like my GM will come back with a list of eight people. They're like, "Hey, waiting to get salami in," and that's what I'll be like, "Hey, do I need fifty pounds of salami <laughs> or whatever?" But they'll be. I mean, I'm not joking. People will come in, and she'll have a list of eight people that are like, "These people asked about salami this week," and you're like, "Oh shit, you yeah, know, it's, it's just killer. A, it's a Is good it, combination. I mean, it just like works. Your salon, like the." Like deer salami, like yeah, I mean, it's that, like our salami with jalapeno cheese, like our recipe, but with Chris's recipe. I mean, it's it's good. What's funny is you know we're working on that recipe, and I think you guys sent over like four different samples, right, of like different variations of what was in there, and we smoked it all, and we had it in a pan, and we were just taste testing, right? And I think I had like eight people there, and they try every one of them, and I was like, "What's your favorite?" All eight people were like, "That one." Like it wasn't even a question. Like the one that we ended up going with, like eight people were like that's it you know and honestly since we had you switch to doing the links 
um, it makes it so much easier on us. And I was talking to you about mm-hmm. this too. We our sausage sandwich used to like we'd cut it thin and put it on Texas toast. I'm working now to actually get hoagies in and serve a full eight ounce sausage on a hoagie with like sausage or uh, peppers and onions and stuff like yep, that. Yep, yep. Um, I think it'll go over real well. Oh fuck yeah, that sounds really really good. I think when we we first started messing around with this, we even did a bologna, and. I feel like we need to get back into that and make like a big round, like a big, like a four inch case okay. bologna. Smoke bologna. You can do a smoke bologna sandwich at the restaurant. I so, do you sell I think, smoke bologna? So, here's the thing you guys made multiple chubs of bologna, the big and the small. Um, I think the bologna is better than the sausage and the salami. The bologna was out of this world. And we ran multiple specials of bologna sandwiches, and nobody buys it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like smoked bologna. It's huge. It's got such a stigma, I think. It yeah, does. I think so. I Like Southern Missouri, like in the boot heel, that's like all we would probably sell. It's yeah. Like, so yeah. It's like smoked bologna, <laughs> right? Fried yeah. bologna sandwich. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, I think we ran it one Friday and sold like two sandwiches, and then me and my partner just ate all of the bologna. <laughs> and then it was like, and then it was like the next week, like let's try it again, and we sold like one sandwich. And I'm like, oh, I guess I got a lot of bologna. Uh, I have a, I have a buddy of mine, Jesse, who he's literally customer number one. Like on our soft launch, he's the first guy through the door. He eats there three, four times a week, and I eventually gave him all the bologna that you had made me because he freaking loves it. You know, he told me, and this is a great idea. What I need to do is smoke a bunch of that. And cut into cubes with like toothpicks, and when we get super busy, just go through the line yep. and just let everybody try a piece of it. Because by the time they get to the counter, they're probably gonna be like, "I need that on a, on some bread." Yeah, good idea. You know what I mean? So we might do something like that. But that, that, that I think the bologna was better than the sausage and the salami. I liked it too. I, but I really, really love smoked bologna on a sandwich like coleslaw or whatever. Yeah. It's freaking yeah. good. Dude, I, you give I me like white bread, onions, and like mustard. I know it sounds super Hoosier, probably, but like. Pfft. Bologna sandwich, killer. Yep, agreed. I I would take bologna over any other lunch meat. I heard that about you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 like I do not like no, no I do deal. not like no hard salami. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like hard salami. I do not like it. Oh, hard salami? No. Yeah, no. But you like bologna? Yes. He nice. likes he likes soft salami. Bologna just got a bad reputation. I mean, just like a hot dog. Yeah, everybody thinks it's lips and assholes. It, yeah, it's it's, it's a, not. It, it's the scraps. <laughs> I mean, it is if you buy like you know like Oscar Mayer or yeah something <laughs> from a box store or whatever. That's if you pre-packaged. get a twelve pack of hot dogs for ninety nine cents. <laughs> There's probably some lips and assholes in it. Well, you could buy the Snake River Farms hot dogs. It's like $10 for a pack of five, I think it is, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys listen to the Rizzuto show in the morning? Some yeah, point? I, I tried. Yeah. I used to. So we've partnered with them really well, and I've become friends with those guys. And um, we did a catering for, I won't say the name, we did a catering for one of them on Friday. And last week they were talking about how they love hard salami and, like, you know, salami and cheese and crackers or whatever. And so I had my catering director take him a roll of that salami. Because I heard him say on the radio he loved it, and dude, he ate it up. He's so stoked about it. So, super <laughs> yeah, cool. I listen to it every morning, but I got like a 15 minute commute, so I don't really get to listen to it that long. Yeah, is Patrico in jail? I don't know, man. I mean, he's definitely gone. <laughs> yeah, he's Who? definitely gone. Patrico. Oh no, yeah, he, he got. I think. Uh, I mean, uh, he got kicked out. Yeah, he got kicked out. Yeah, he, he was, was. Yeah, be a be a tad creepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if Tad, that'll do it. I don't know if Tad's the right word. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to church it up a little bit. Right. <laughs> That's funny. I'd say I'd say he's in jail. I, honestly, ah, uh, never mind. I'll keep that comment to myself. He's, I think they just move people around. I wasn't going to say what I was going to compare it to, but I think they just move people around. Mm. Unless it's too bad. Gotcha. Yeah. Jay has like twelve beers in front of him. Uh, two, four, five. Are those not yours, the buds? Yeah, two. Oh, who's the bush light? That's me. Oh, man, you guys are hammering it down. Now I see why you do this. You get like two hours away from the wives just to drink. <laughs> are you recording this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. Dude, that'd be the greatest play ever. You guys, you guys pretend to have a podcast <laughs> and you just sit here and get hammered by yourselves. <laughs> Don't even hit record. Right. You know what's funny? That's just right there, just something dinged in my in my mind. A buddy of ours, well, my in laws, a really good friend of his, years and years and years ago, he owned a bar, 
in uh, right here in Piron, and he would go outside and say, I got to till the garden. I got to get the garden ready for tomorrow. So he'd go outside and he'd start to till our soil running, and he'd run up to the bar and he'd have a few beers yeah. and he'd come back and he'd, till the bar. He'd literally the leave, garden the, up. leave the tiller running like right behind the back door, and he would go to the bar. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, and they never knew? No. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure he got caught. He I mean, uh, I would have been. She, yeah, the, we've never out. been told this story about that he got caught, but. We're we still married. Yeah, we've been told the story that he, <laughs> it, he, didn't, he, it, he didn't do it just one time. I mean, it it was multiple occasions. It'd be great. You like tell the wives, you're like, yeah, we got a podcast. It's called All That for Six Pieces. You won't hear our voices much. Just go listen to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Just, just you guys in here drinking by yourself. That would, yeah. that, that would be the problem because my wife actually does listen to the podcast. So she would know, like, I didn't see your podcast on anywhere. And I, I'm bet, like, I bet she didn't listen to the Marty episode. No, you couldn't hear it. I know. I'm glad you guys got the audio fixed. In the beginning, it was tough. Yeah. yeah. I know. I think they kind of screwed us at the very beginning, too. Well, that's the hard thing about any podcast is, like, you got to come out hot or people are going to listen once and not come back. Right. Yeah. You know, what's the reason to come back? Right. Well, so the the very first one was good. Like, it was decent. You could hear you could hear us, at least. That one, that one for sure, by far, has the most plays. I think it's, it's like, at 115 or 16. And then you can tell, like, after that one, the next three have the least amount of plays because the audio was terrible. Yep. And I... <laughs> Honest advice, you probably just like, pull those down. Because if somebody listens to the first one and they get the second one and they can't hear it, why do they skip to the fifth one? Right. You know what I mean? Might as well probably just pull those down. Yeah. Not trying to give you podcast advice on your podcast, but... I mean... Hey, I'll shoot take, away. I'll take yeah. I'll take I'll take the advice off or on the podcast. I don't give a shit. So before we uh, get off way too much subject, let's uh, classes. You do classes. You put them on. Yep. Do you have any coming up? Do you so, have any intentions to soon? I don't anything scheduled. Um, I almost always do one in December, and then I'll usually try to do a second one in January or February. Um, this year. You know, after winning the jack, they sold out really fast. So I went ahead and put a third one into March. Um, but I usually try to have two of them. The website's Heavy Smoke BBQ, and then Facebook is Heavy Smoke BBQ. Just watch that. That's where our updates are going to come out. But okay. I'll definitely do some classes. And honestly, I just I just love doing them. You know, I mean, there's no lie. They're profitable, right? It's kind of the only way to make money in barbecue. You right, know, because right. competitions don't pay and whatever. But I mean, the classes are profitable, it. but it but it all goes basically right back into your yeah competition yep. to be able to keep competing but i love you know i love seeing people do well right um you guys won the the backyard in troy right yep. and so who's the guy that cooks with you my brother-in-law justin yeah and so super good dude he was at your yeah. class so yeah. he took the class and like this is why i do classes after the troy illinois he like came over and like made sure he came over and talked to me and just told me how much he learned and how much he appreciated it. And you, you could just tell how sincere he was. Yep. And it was super cool to be like, this guy took what I told him, put it into play, won his first comp, and appreciates the hell out of it. And I've got hundreds of stories like that from people that have yep. taken the class. Us and, in Collinsville last year. Yeah, it's cool. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't take your class, but he gave me your rib recipe, and that's what I've been running. Yeah, are you guys still using my rib recipe? Hint, hence why I was like the only guy besides you that needed raspberry chipotle. Yeah. What's funny is I didn't know how much I needed, and so you you asked for it, and I yeah. was like, well, I don't know. And so after I used it, I had enough, and I'm like, you need this? And they're like, oh, they just went to the store, and yeah. I'm like. All right. I yeah. I literally, luckily, a buddy showed up just out of the blue, and I was like, "So I forgot my raspberry chipotle, and I called Collinsville Barbecue Store. They're still open. Do you mind running there?" Yeah. So he ran and grabbed me a bottle, and but yeah, I was in retrospect, you were cooking after me. I should have been like, "I'm about to use it. Let me see what I have left." But I was just kind of like, "I have enough." I was like. If anyone has it, I know Chris Schaefer has yeah. it. <laughs> well, you guys are super close to me too. Yeah, and but I, after uh, we asked you, and yeah, you had it, but you weren't sure if you were going to have enough. Yeah, I literally asked like five other people, and they're all like, "Nah, we don't use that." Yep. 
uh, Jeff Bartles, he's like, I literally have every other blues hog sauce in my trailer except yep. that. <laughs> What's funny is like, you know, that recipe is is a, a version of Brad Leiniger's from the barbecue league anyways. And you would think, especially the SLBS, you think those guys would be like living on barbecue league recipes. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many great yeah. recipes. You would think those guys would be using the heck out of them. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I've been, I've been running your recipe, and I've had really good results with it. Um, the only problem I was having when I first started running it is my ribs were getting super dark. Yep. And, uh, like, before I wrapped them, yep. they were getting super dark. And I actually asked Bill about it after we were done recording that night, and he gave me some pointers and... I haven't had a problem since then. One of the biggest problems that people have, and especially if they take the class, is they come take the class and they get a timeline. And one of the biggest problems they have is running that timeline exactly, right? And so if it's 30 minutes before you're supposed to wrap, but they're dark, wrap the things up. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't be like, ah, he said go 30 minutes longer. Like, yeah. dude, if they're dark, wrap them. You know, yeah. if, if you put an extra chunk of wood in than you meant to and they got dark, wrap the damn things up. You right. know, and so people people stick to a timeline, and I mean we're cooking. You know, there's really no timeline on cooking. I right. I give you an idea of when I do things, but even in the class, I didn't do them on the timeline. Right. You know, the honestly what uh, what Bill told me to do. So I was I was putting uh, wood in with my lump before I wrapped them, and uh, he's like, try try don't don't do that. He's like, just put put the wood in. Like when you set your sauce, and that was that's what it took. Yep. He he told me to try that, and he told me <laughs> this is uh, definitely a pro versus a backyard guy. He also told me to take a leaf blower and blow my charcoal basket and get all the fines out of it. Yep. I haven't had to do that. It's still a, it's still a mental note in my head, but I tried the wood thing first, and that yep. that definitely helped. That definitely made a difference. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, but whenever he told me that, take a leap, I'm like, this is why you're a pro and I'm not a pro. <laughs> and it's such a basic thing at the yeah. same time. Yeah, but it's just something that I would never, I might have thought about not putting wood in, but I would have never thought to take a leaf blower and blow my freaking charcoal to get yep. the, it makes sense. Yeah. When, when somebody like you guys tell us that stuff, it's like, it makes perfect sense, but I would have never thought of that. Well, there's so many things in my class that I will say that I think is so basic, and I'll watch 20 people go, oh, no shit, and they start writing it down. And like <laughs> it was like a throwaway thing that I said that I didn't even think about, <laughs> right. and you'll watch you know, 75% of the class be like, hmm, all right. You yeah, know? it's kind of like the uh, everybody – the everybody wants to know what Bill Hine does with that damn oyster fork, because that was like his ten seconds of fame on the at the Royal last year when they were videotaping was him. They literally took video of him in there with an oyster fork and his rack of ribs. Yep. And everybody's like, "What's he?" Use? Somebody asked me at our backyard class that we did to promote our comp. They're like, "What did he use that oyster fork for?" And I was like. I got no idea. Yep. I believe. I have, I have some ideas. I believe that is a Travis Clark thing. So I remember seeing that in Travis's class. And I believe what he is doing is putting rub on top of the fat and then pushing it in, essentially, which will help the fat render and maybe the rub get into it. Because if you, like fat doesn't, or rub doesn't stick to fat, right? And so right. you'll just have those blonde spots on the racks. And so I think that's what he's doing there. He just getting color, the even color across. Yeah, I, I think it probably helps the fat render some too. You know, hmm. I don't, I don't do it, but I, I remember seeing it in Travis Clark's class. So I think that's, you know, that's a good guy to listen to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was Jordan mentioned it, you know, whenever he was first started cooking and they were in their trailer doing their thing. And, uh, <laughs> the Jordan's the guy that cooks with Jordan all the time. He's like Jordan. Cause they, they were like parked right next to Bill and they could see into Bill's trailer. And he's like, Jordan. He's got a fork. He's doing something with a fork. And Jordan's like, you're an idiot. He's not doing anything with a fork. And then Jordan looked through the window and he's like, what the fuck is he doing with yeah. a fork? <laughs> We've heard that, this story before. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things, too. I think, you know, new teams, they see 
you know, they see veterans doing different things and they immediately start, I call it chasing ghosts. Yeah. They start chasing, trying to do something else. And it's like, dude, just cook your food. You know, I cooked, um, I cooked three comps in a row with Brad Leininger a couple weeks ago and just hanging out and watching him. And you're like, you know, there's some people focus on too many different things. Like the guy will set his pit and don't pay attention to it after that. You look over to be 260. You look back, it's 350. He doesn't touch it. He doesn't care. Like the guy just throws rub on meat, cooks it right, finishes it right, wins championship after championship. And there's other people out there that are like weighing their rub to the grams. They're weighing their charcoal. They're adjusting their gateway every three seconds, you know? And I watched Brad just like effortlessly cook the best food I've ever had in my life three days in a row. You know what I mean? So I think people worry too much about the things that don't matter. Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah, you're bad about that. What do you mean bad about oh, that? Oh, you watch your rip tank go up five degrees. Oh, god damn. Five, no. It's a piece of shit. 25 degrees, maybe. Yeah. Get a, get a gateway. <laughs> no. That's what I say. Man. Hey, I love those rip tangles. I just don't love that they weigh 200 pounds. Well, right. But how do you fit? Do you cook four racks of ribs? Yeah. How do you fit four racks on a gateway? I fit five on a gateway. Oh. What do you do? You trim them down? Do you have like six bones on a rack? No, nine, ten bones. See, I told you can be done. You dumb fucker. Next time, next, uh, your next comp, take a picture of once your ribs are like on the gateway and take a picture of it. Yeah. I mean, I can get four on super easy. If I, if I'm going to cook five, I can get it done. That honestly is the only reason that Kyle and myself cook on, cook ribs on a rectangle because I, on a rack, like for four, you can just do three of them next to each other and one of them this way and you're done. It's super easy with four. Five's hard. With five, you have to. I know nobody can see this, but like, like even when five, you ra- so f- after you wrap them in aluminum foil, you can yeah. still get them to where they're not like sitting on top of each other. I know nobody can see this. This is a terrible podcast. But <laughs> if, like if your if your handles are on the sides for five, you essentially kind of do them at an angle, then you can get like four, and then one like over here. But they have to be like at an angle. Um, but you you can do four real easy. Like if you just do I like, told you. if you just do four like that, it's easy. I think the people is people worry about too much about them being too close to each other or them touching. Or I'm not worried about them cares? touching. I just like, I, I, I don't want to have to like overlap them, like shingle them. Yeah, I mean, I, they're I, gonna I, shrink I, up though. And I didn't have that, so I can get four. I agree with what you're saying. I can get four on, but after I wrap them is where I had. Are you Where using I like struggle. twelve sheets of foil? No, just two. two. Yeah, I mean two per rack. They shouldn't get much bigger at once. I mean they're going to shrink before you wrap them, and then I, I mean I wrap pretty tight in foil, so it shouldn't change too much. Yeah, the uh, yeah I I I because I have a drum, and I I would much rather use my drum. I feel like it runs way more consistent. Like you set you set your deals right, and it fucking holds three hundred. Yep. Almost without yep. touching it, you know. But uh, whenever I wrap, I they fit. Then I wrapped them. Then I had to take one of the racks and kind of like not like totally set it on top of the other three. But it was it was to the point I didn't like it. Yeah. I like I said I love the rectangles. I just think they're. Crazy heavy. For sure. Yeah. And you like, can yeah. load a gateway. One guy can load a gateway if he has to. Yeah. And One guy is not loading a rectangle. Dude, gateways just run. They just run so perfectly. Yeah. Know? Like a sewing machine. Singer. Like a singer sewing machine. Wow. All right. We about done with part two? We are. I think we are. So if you want to sign up or you're interested in the class, just look it up. And it, this is so beneficial. You might think, oh, yeah, this is this is expensive. But, man, you're going to learn something. And even if you're not even in, interested in competition, you're going to learn how to cook good freaking food. I mean, I've taken... You're going to be the king of your cul-de-sac for sure. Right. <laughs> well, I've taken... Your family Christmas, anything. Like, yeah, you're going yeah. to learn to cook some food. I've taken probably 10 classes, right? And, like, I, I always consider myself just like a student. You know what I mean? So, like, I've taken classes from everybody. Um when I took my first class, my wife, I was like, hey, I'd really like to take Brad and Tim's class. 
She's like, well, what's it cost? I was like, 650 bucks. At the time, it was 650. I think they charge like 8,000 now or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, just, I, I was like, man, I'd like, to, I'd like to, you know, take this class. It's 650 bucks. And she's like, well, how many briskets would you ruin trying to figure out what they're going to teach you? And I was like, well, more than two. She's like, well, there's your 650 bucks. I'm like, there you go. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. it's like, it's a fairly inexpensive investment to get to the next level. And right. the amount, the amount of people, you know, I, I'm not going to call names out, but the amount of people that have taken my class and went and got their first ever GC three months later, it would blow your mind, you know? Yep. For sure. And it's not just my class. Like Billy Hine does the one-on-ones, you know, Brad and Tim. I mean, like all classes are super beneficial, but I, I pride myself in trying to really teach people to go out and get to the next level yep i i mean i agree if you're you could spend so much time and money not even okay forget about your meat that you're going to spend burning and ruining think about the charcoal the seasonings the rubs the time alone the sundays wasted just trying to get to where you want to be in barbecue yeah when you could learn so much in one five six seven hundred dollar class and eliminate so much bullshit. I also think one of the best things about taking a class, whether it's mine or anybody's, is like almost like the network you create, right? Like I've taken classes with other people, not necessarily like like say me and you go take Jay's class, right? You and I sit next to each other, we become friends. Two months later, I could text you and be like, man, my ribs are kind of struggling. And you could be like, remember he said to do X, Y, Z. And you'd be like, oh shit, he did say that, whatever. Like the amount of people that I've met in other classes that have become a network of friends and we all help each other be successful. Right. Like that's just as beneficial or becoming friends with the actual instructor and yep. them helping you out too. Well, it's funny you say that. Cause like the first class me and him took was Eric Burkhart's and you were like in the console. Yeah. Uh, you, that was at Consville. Yeah. Uh, code three. I was helping Eric. Yeah. <clears throat> and you were kind of the main art. You were the helper, but you seemed like you were the main guy. And that's where you met James and Corey Sansusi. And uh, that's kind of like the friendship we made out of that was out of that class, which me and James and obviously Corey's not with us right now. But that's means a lot to us, to me, for sure. Like that, you know, a friendship was bonded over that class. Yeah. Right. Not only barbecue yeah. or whatever, but, you know, it was just a good class and good friendships built on that class and to sell my class i serve cordy prime rib for dinner yeah that's right <laughs> so take that up <laughs> what's funny is i was i was telling I mean, you, a very small margin of cordy prime rabbits there's a lot more love that goes into it it's like, <laughs> i was telling somebody they're like man i can't believe you serve prime rib i go what's funny is they always hook me up on the prime ribs so on the morning i always serve kolaches for breakfast and i'm like the kolache breakfast costs more than the prime rib dinner. <laughs> that's funny that's how i get those free classes man you can't beat some good prime rib though you can't no. Well, what's funny is like you know we did the one year you gave us the wagyu and a prime i believe it was mm-hmm. and almost every single person picked the prime over the wagyu i'm not surprised honestly you wagyu know. is absolutely phenomenal i freaking love it but if you're gonna try and eat like a portion of it or like a steak of it it's hard to eat that much wagyu yeah but i also think that like Especially the prime rib that you're cooking like medium rare, like yeah. you're not really rendering anything, right? Necessarily, and I, I mean I could be wrong in saying that, but like the yeah the prime was awesome. That's why the, the next year I was like, yeah, take a couple primes, be good. I have one one last question. Why? Uh, so I well I've I've I cooked Code Three and I cooked Troy that you were at. Uh, well, you you this isn't true for Troy, but at Code Three, you pull you pull out before awards. You didn't stay for awards. Do you, why? Why not? Why um, not stay? I just I cook a lot, right? You know, and the way I view it is um, every extra minute spent there is a minute taken from my wife and daughter, right? Um, I I said. Uh, a lot that like my job number one in my life is being a good father and a good dad right if i leave let's say i let's say i stay for awards maybe not collinsville but like you know if i got a six hour drive yeah. if i stay for four o'clock awards they get over at five i don't get home till 11 get a shower get in bed by midnight i sleep in till 8 a.m i'm tired the next day my daughter wants to do something i'm worn out right 
if I skip awards, I can be gone by 145. Even if it's a five hour, six hour drive, I get out by two, I'm home at eight, spend an hour with my kid, get up early the next day, make her breakfast, take her to the park, do whatever, right? Also, like, this is a job to me, right? And if you, if your job asked you if you wanted to leave three hours early and make the same amount of money, you'd do it every time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I spend a ton of time with my buddies when I'm there. All day Friday, all day Saturday morning. I spend tons of time with those people. It's time for me to get home and see my kid. Do a lot of people give you shit for pulling out early? I think, you know, I get it sometimes, but I also don't give a shit. I don't I think, think, I think I that, that's a... People? Great perspective, what you just said. No, I, yeah, I yeah it's it. badass. That's the reason I asked the question because I knew you. I knew there was a good reason. I knew. Uh, I'm sure the haters think it's because you think you're too good to stick around, but I knew. I knew you'd have a good reason. That's a great reason. That's well, dude, awesome. Like, I mean, but I did have a cut, like a couple people, uh, just the backyard guys at Collinsville. I was like, Chris Schaefer's gone already, and. You know, awards have me having like, why? I can't believe he wouldn't want to stay for awards and hear his name called. And and I was like, I don't know, but he's heard his name called a hundred. Now you're you're here on our podcast, and I had the chance to ask yeah. you the question, and now now people know why. Like, I mean, not trying to like toot my own horn, right? But like, I've had comps that I got home at two in the morning, and I get three four hours of sleep, and I wake up, make my daughter breakfast, and take her to the park, and I'm dead. Dragon ass, you know, spend three hours at the park running around, you know, playing with her. Yep. And if I can keep from doing that, I'm going to, right? Yep. I never get hotels on the way home. I drive all the way home. Dad and I cooked in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina two years ago, 15 hour drive. We actually stayed for awards. Uh, they wouldn't let us out. <laughs> but uh, we stayed for awards, and me and dad drove 15 hours back, and I got home at eight in the morning on Sunday. And literally went in, took a shower, and started hanging out with my kid with zero sleep because my job's to be a good dad, yep. right? And if I can get a couple hours with my kid, I'm going to. Amen. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. That that should. Uh, if there are any haters, they better not be hating anymore. Because <laughs> I tell you, man. I mean, like, not to sound like a jerk, but I learned a long time ago that like. You can't listen to what anybody thinks about you. Like you got to be happy with yourself, right? Yep. And I just don't. I just don't care. I, I shut out the noise. I do my thing. And if you don't like that, I leave early. That's on you, not me. And right. You can say all you want. I ain't gonna hear it. and I'm not gonna listen to it. Yeah. I. I mean, I'm sure that the haters are like, oh, well, Chris Schaefer thinks he's big time. He doesn't even have to stay for awards. He's got somebody else roped into grabbing all his trophies. And but what what you just said is cool. That's awesome. That's I appreciate it, man. Uh we won't keep you any longer. We know you got the six-hour drive six home. Six-hour drive home. <laughs> I was going to say, man. Probably getting close to part three. <laughs> got to drive through Baghdad, oh. get home. We're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we seriously appreciate you driving, Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, thank you, buddy. We we hope to uh, one day get get to a point where we have some service, where we record our podcast, and we you, can just you literally drive six hours. get you yeah. on Zoom or a phone call, you know, to where you don't have to drive I, here. But. I prefer to be in person. These are so much better conversations when you can look at people and see people. Um, I do agree with that, yeah. too. Even like, you know, when I used to do the podcast, the couple episodes where we had somebody in studio were, like, by far and away our best episodes. It's just hard, and it's hard for you guys to grow, too. Like... You could yeah. want to get you could want to get Bill Purvis on here, but he lives in Houston. Right. So like until right. you can have that, it's hard to grow. I mean, we would we would love to get the Meat Whiskey Boys on because they're they're not only in the barbecue world; they're our friends. Yeah. They're they're cool dudes, but they live in Memphis, so they're they're not driving here. <laughs> Just tell the wives you got to go to Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Right. Pack our podcast shit up and go. <laughs> Well, I appreciate but, you guys having me on too. It's been a, it's been a good time. No, seriously, we appreciate you coming for real. Uh, and want tell people one more time where they can uh, if they want to sign up for a class. What uh, Facebook or yeah? So Facebook's Heavy Smoke BBQ. The website's HeavySmokeBBQ.com. Uh, the restaurants in St. Peter's, uh, in between like Cave Springs, Mid Rivers on the North Service Road. So come over get a meal. Um, if you guys you know want catering, it's uh, catering at HeavySmokeBBQ.com. So um, pretty easy to get a hold of. Google. Highly recommend check it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah gonna, Chad. I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Chad walks in, I'm gonna be like, 
I don't, I don't know this guy. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> yeah. Who oh, it's this? Jay's partner. I'd give him a platter of the f- scraps on the floor. It's, yeah. Jay, it's Jay's co-host. <laughs> can I can I get some uh, can I get some bologna and some sausage? Sausage, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you if you guys want to uh, let us know how we're doing or or. Give us some ideas for future episodes. Uh, shoot us an email at meetcartel3 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.